Well, welcome everyone to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. My name is Irvin. And today, as always, I am joined by my co-host and friend and collaborator, Bridget. Bridget, how are you doing today? Well, Irvin, I am doing wonderfully. Thank you for asking. As we record this, it's a beautiful, what do we call the second Indian summer day? Yeah. And, uh, you know, fall is, is coming, but today has been warm and sunny skies, quite beautiful. And I'm really glad that we are devoting an entire episode to this notion of embodied leadership. But why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit more about this topic? Yeah. So today's topic is called full bodied leadership. And really it's about embodiment, this, that, what you just said, Bridget. And, you know, if you're listening to our podcast, you will know that we have mentioned here and there how important it is to be aware of what's happening in our body. We've even offered you some practices and some exercises to help you to do that. But Today, I really want to take the time and what we'd like to explore with you is this really how important and how integral it is to really see leadership embodied in the fact that we are walking bodies as well and how much wisdom there is within our bodies. And I think before we do that, I think it is important for us to recognize that we come from this tradition where the rational has been held above everything else. And really veering away from that is getting ourselves in trouble. It can't be trusted. It's unreliable. It's overly emotional. I even had this last week. I had, I think I was talking to you before the podcast, I had a keynote with a client. And, you know, one of the concerns was about, oh, you know, when you get into emotions or something, some people are just not going to like that because, you know, why does everything have to be so emotional? And, oh, you yeah. know, when you think about that, it's, it's really a lack of understanding just as how we're created as human beings. So what I think we'd like to focus in this episode really is to help us understand that actually, instead of being woo-woo or being unreliable, what science is actually showing us, as it so often does, is that to be an effective leader, it's this marriage of our mind and our body, and really to trust the wisdom of what the body is telling us. Mm-hmm. Now. Bridget, you've been a coach for quite a few years, and you've seen a lot of trends in coaching and leadership, and you've worked with so many clients. So I'm just curious, what have you seen in the world or the changes when it comes to that relationship between body and leadership? Oh, I have seen a vast change. I mean, you know, I've been coaching for 25 plus years. And uh, when in the early days, if you mentioned the body, people would go, what? What? I don't have a body, you know, (laughs) and there's this whole notion of sort of living from the neck up, right? You didn't talk about your body. Yeah. And then things started to change a little bit. But even after I'd been coaching for a good decade or so, I remember a colleague of mine and I were at a high tech startup company and she went to teach them the simple practice of centering. And Mm -hmm. I saw a whole bunch of eyes roll. And giggling and stuff like that. People are like, this, to your, you said woo-woo. They were like, ladies, this is woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> now, fast forward to today, and many people have meditation practices. Mm-hmm. They have yoga practices. They know about the breath. If I introduce centering, it's oftentimes the practice that sticks with people the most. So we've come a long way. And we have a ways to go, in my opinion. So I'm curious what you think, Urban. I, I agree with that as well. I think as well, you know, 
where we're at today, I don't know about you, but, but you know, for my clients, I meet some clients and especially where we have been in these last few years who are literally at their wits end and they have tried all the traditional things and it's just not working. They're, they're at a level of exhaustion. And I think that has, you know, as bad as that is, it also leads to a new openness. I need to try something different. This isn't working. And so I, I'm finding a hunger for yeah. what we might call non-traditional kind of approaches or, or just bringing, you know, an openness to even thinking about the wisdom of the body and, and knowing that the tired old responses just don't work anymore. Yeah. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we are whole beings. I mean, mm. we, have, we have our thinking self and we have our physical self and the two are not cut off from one another. So uh, you can ignore the body, but you'll do so at your own peril simply because of what the neuroscience tells us about how human beings function. I mean, come on. We know anecdotally from our own life experience that we're, we read people's bodies all the time. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So why don't we start there, Irvin? I think that's a great place sure. to begin our conversation. So what does the neuroscience tell us about embodied leadership or just the body and the mind connection? Yeah. So I think, you know, this is such a rich area at the moment, and it really is a lot of some excellent cutting edge research. And I think I just kind of want to highlight maybe one or two things which are really confirming what instinctually I think we always knew. And so first of all, you know, when we think about intelligence, so often we have, we think of our front, frontal cortex and the home of intelligence and rational thought, et cetera. But I think what neuroscience is telling us that that's one intelligence and it's an important intelligence for leadership. But I think also that what we're also learning is that the body also has other intelligences which have wisdom and can help us inform. So, you know, two areas that are really interesting. One um, is an area called neurocardiology, which is this connection between the heart and the mind. Oh, cool. And so, you know, when you think about it, the brain, you know, so often we think about the brain, we think of the brain up here in the middle of our skulls. This is where the brain is. Well, <laughs> the brain extends down our spinal cord. And so the brain is interconnected. We forget about that at times, how interconnected the brain is with the rest of the body. And through the nervous system, you know, the brain reaches the outer parts of our body. And I think what neurocardiology is suggesting is that, you know, the heart itself can process information, helps us to learn, to remember, to make functioning decisions independent of the brain as well, okay. which is just, so, you know, when you think about it, you know, we have these sayings, you know, bring it to the heart or my heart is speaking, you know, and so these are things we have said, but science now is saying, oh, you know what, that's actually very true. And then the other area, which is the, I suppose the newest area that the research is coming out is what's called neurogastroenterology. That's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> The spelling, the spelling bee, what's talking about there is another brain in the gut. And this as well is connected to an enteric nervous system. And this functions independently from the brain as well. Um, that's why, you know, we can digest foods without a second thought. It's why actually after a person that's declared brain dead still has the ability to process nutrients, et cetera. So, you know, we, we, we often think then about, you know, I have a gut feeling. 
you know, there's something there. I have intuition, et cetera, you know, and, and some people will say, well, there's nothing to that. That's, but there actually is something to that. Yeah. There is this, this the idea of that. So, so I think it's important for us to, to realize that the brain extends throughout the body, but also there are other parts in the body as well, which are part of this process, especially when it comes to making decisions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you're talking, I recalled something that somebody shared with me a few years ago, and I, ju- I just remembered it as you were talking, which is that her husband was having a, a, a transplant. Now, his was a kidney transplant. But, you know, when you go through that process, you meet a lot of different people, right? Mm-hmm. And they had met somebody who was having a heart transplant. Mm. And that person shared with them this, this story that not, not them, but someone they knew who had had a heart transplant, after they got a new heart, they actually started having a few different memories mm. of experiences, felt experiences that they actually hadn't had. Mm. And it was around something like music. Yeah. And the yeah. recipient, I mean, not the recipient, but the giver had been a musician. Now, I'm just telling this as a story that I heard that I thought was fascinating. And I, at the time, I thought, well, how could that be? Yeah. You know, yeah. But but to your point, perhaps the heart retains mm-hmm. its own form of memory in a different way, yep. right? Not in yep. language, yeah. But yep. in other ways, yep. yeah. So of course, all of this has implications for leadership and how we make decisions. You know, we really do, I think, grow up kind of being given the message to mistrust our feelings, you know, because they're not rational. Let's be more analytical. Let's set our feelings aside and make a good decision. But as you just so nicely explained, it doesn't work like that in the body, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, feelings are much more than just sort of these transitory things. Feelings are actually part of the decision-making process. And we want to include them because they often are they arise out of life experiences that we've had where we've detected patterns. And those patterns are really in feelings that we have. That gut instinct is the recognition of a pattern at an emotional level, right? So we want to bring the two together. We don't want to divorce parts of ourselves. We want to integrate ourselves. And when we do so, we make better decisions and we show up, I think, more powerfully, right? It's about using all of the wisdom available to us from our whole selves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you have any other thoughts to add to that? One other thing as well that I think that research shows, it used to be, you know, especially is something happens to it, happens to us, we have a reaction and then the outward sign is we, we go into an emotion, et cetera. But I think what's interesting as well as some of the research as well about how our actual posture our the way we configure muscles in our face activate feelings etc so i think that's really important to show that the power of the body as well the way we we show up in our body the way the posture we form how we configure emotions in our face or, or sorry muscles in our face can lead to new uh, emotions and, and generate emotion. I think that's really, really important because it just shows you there's this interplay. It's not just the body's not the last thing. The body can initiate. And so how we configure our body, how our body is in posture to be aware, all of that is is influencing the way we show up and it's influencing decisions and it's influencing how other people are seeing us. So it really is this this beautiful holistic approach, which I really think that we we have to be very aware of. 
Yeah, you know, when we are, let's say, centered, right? And that is a state of being that involves postural shifts, like you just mentioned. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail. How do we shift our posture to communicate from a more centered place? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the thing is, is as we embody a more centered state, it does change everything. You know, it changes how we see and think we can consider more possibilities. We we're more open. We're less likely to be triggered and it creates changes in the way that other people see us. So when I get a coaching, when I have a coaching call with somebody and I do most of my coaching by phone, sometimes, you know, video and in person, but mostly by phone. And as I'm listening to their voice from the moment they say, hello, the first few sentences, I can tell if they're in a centered or uncentered place. Mm-hmm. And if I hear that they sound really centered and grounded, I tell them, I said, wow, I got it. Can I share an observation with you? You sound incredibly centered and grounded. And let me tell you what I'm noticing Mm. because it draws me in. And I know that if they are leading from a centered place, then there's a reason for that. Right. Mm. And that is going to have implications for how other people are seeing them and how they're feeling about their day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, let's just uh, kind of consider that as well. You know, very often when we think about, you know, our bodies and how we even talk about our bodies, you know, and I think, I think our bodies are part of the response of any situation. I don't know, Bridget, if this happens to you, but, you know, I do it. And then sometimes we're with clients as well. And I'll say, you know, you know, how are you feeling? And, and what they'll say is, well, I think uh-huh. I'm anxious today, or I think, you know, and anytime you use the words, I think you're in the brain. And, yes. and I think that's even telling us, you know, you know, when, when, when someone says, you know, uh, I'm anxious, well, how do you know I'm anxious? Yes. Oh, I just know it from my shoulders, you know, my shoulders are, are just tense and there's the neck and the jaw and the tension and my voice, there's a difference in my voice or I'm feeling fear. And, and how do you know that? Oh, I, I just kind of feel cold and, and, and enclosed, et cetera. And I, I just feel I want to get out of here. I'm distant or I'm upset. Well, how do you know that? Oh, I, there's, there's this heat and, and I, I just, I'm moving inwards and, and I've just got great tension. You know, all of these are, are indications, you know, of how our body is informing us. And very often these physiological aspects of a response are there even before we've begun to think about it. That's and right. so often we don't integrate that wisdom, that knowledge. When you think about it, you know, how much, you know, how improved would a, a decision be? How much better would a response be if I was able to access that wisdom and then integrate that into a response? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, considering the business environment we're in, which we've talked about before, there are so many opportunities day in, day out to be off center. There are things just literally knocking us off center <laughs> from the moment we, the moment we wake up in the morning till we get home at night and go to bed again, you know, and so therefore I think it's important for us just to be aware, first of all, what does center look like? What does that feel like? Yeah. And I think then that can really, we can begin to uh, appreciate what it's like to be off center. Yeah, indeed. Because, you know, we can say to ourselves, you know what, I'm just not going to get triggered by that person mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Right. But then we show up in a meeting and if we're not paying attention to our body and how we entered into that meeting in the first place, the person may say or do something. And before we know it, we're triggered. 
You can't just have an intellectual commitment to be a centered leader. It has to be an embodied one, right? So maybe what I think would be helpful is to take a deeper look at what does centering look like Mm. and feel like in the body. Absolutely. We shared, I think, many podcast episodes ago, a a very short centering practice. It was in year one. Yeah. (laughs) But let's take a deeper look. And in particular, I think it, it would be really helpful to sort of break this down into three facets of ourselves, right? Yeah. Yep. Our length, width, and our depth. And so, because we're talking about the body now, we're not intellectualizing centering. We're talking about getting a, a centered in our body. So length, why do we need to pay attention to this dimension of ourselves? Mm. Well, length is what telegraphs to us and to the people around us that we have dignity and respect for whom? Ourselves. And for other people. And so when we embody our length, we feel legitimate. We feel dignified. And others feel like we're treating them like that. So here's a simple practice for embodying your length, right? So you bring your attention to the center of your body. We'll work from there to like your belly. And first, bring your attention from your belly all the way through your legs down to your feet and feel the length there, right? And feel your feet into the floor. So that's grounding us and getting in touch with the length from the center down. But now pay attention from the belly to the tip of your head and find a nice, tall, upright posture. Pay attention to your spine. Inhabit a tall spine and feel like a string is pulling up from the top of your head all the way up into the sky. Mm-hmm. And so now... We have a long, tall spine, but we're also grounded. And if you think about the extremes of this, you know, you can get too tall Mm -hmm. and disconnect from the ground and you might sound look arrogant Mm. or you can sort of be so into the ground with a collapsed spine that you don't feel worthy. Yeah. Right. And so the body and the length of our spine is the first place to begin really embodying a centered presence, but that's just length. So there's also width and depth. So what about width? Yes, the width, it's interesting. Width is all about how far we extend. And the importance about width, there's an interrelationship here with our feeling of connectedness, but as well as our boundaries, you know, where do we end Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. other starts. And this is a balance. This is all. And if we've talked about this before, you know, we've talked about that if we're too connected with others, we can become very enmeshed. Or if we have too solid a boundary, others can't come in and we're shutting them out. And so width is about finding this right balance of being connected as well as knowing where the right boundaries are. So a way of, of doing this or a quick practice would be, you know, once again, you know, standing and then working uh, in her abdomen and then just kind of feel the width of your body filling out. You know, what does it feel like? Just think of the sensations, you know, go from one shoulder to the other shoulder and the outside of the shoulders feel, you know, the extent of your width or from hip to hip or feel the outside of both our arms and our legs. And just, just spend a few moments just to feel what that sensation is like. And just realize that this is the place where we reach out to others. We can reach out to others. Or it's also the beginning of the boundaries that we have. And just, you know, take a few breaths 
and just to see, you know, am I off balance? Mm. And do I need to create a stronger boundary or do I need to be more connected or less connected? What's mm. going on? And just feel what that's like in the body. Mm. You know, it's so interesting, this notion of boundaries. Mm. I mean, our body is a physical boundary. Our skin is a boundary. Yeah. But we often don't have that felt sense of where do I end and another begins. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. So true. And so often we try and intellectualize that, you know, let me think about that, you know, and, but to really feel that is another thing. That's the thing. It's, it's such a different thing to go from intellectually comprehending something to moving it deep into your muscle memory. So we have done length and uh, we have done width. And that leaves one other dimension, which is depth. Bridget, what about depth? Yeah, well, we are three-dimensional beings after all, Mm, right? Totally. So we have length, we have width, and we have depth. We have a front and a back. And the idea here is that your back is your strength from your history, your past experiences. Your expertise is Mm. at your back. And your front is your vision and everything that you are doing that is in a state of becoming. I think because, you know, our eyes face forward and our organs are mostly towards the front of our bodies, we're more in touch sometimes with the front than the back. Yeah. And yet think about that at your back. Yeah. It's this extraordinary strength of life experience. and expertise. And are we in touch with it in a felt sense? Again, not intellectually, but like in a real sensation in our body. Now, if we're too much stuck at our back, because again, this is a balance. We don't want to be leaning too far back and we don't want to be leaning too far forward. So if we're stuck at our back, then we kind of get stuck in our history and our experience and we have trouble Mm -hmm. moving forward. That's not good, right? And then on the other hand, we can be too much in the future we're leaning forward. We're so eager to move forward that we're not centered in the present. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to think about that from a bodily perspective. And I just invite our listeners right now to kind of find your center point and then tip forward and notice the energy it takes mm-hmm. to be in a contracted state where we're tipped forward. I mean, your muscles have to contract. And then back off from that, move past center and lean back. And notice if you had to hold that contraction all day, literally. Yeah. And the energy that that would take. What we want to do, of course, is be right there in the middle, neither tipping too far forward or leaning too far back, which allows us to be in touch with our knowledge, our experience, our history, but also our vision Mm -hmm. and the present moment. Mm. So I would invite listeners to think about when you go through your day, do you tend to lean a little bit too far forward from center or a little bit too far back? Love that. Love that. You know, even common sayings that we have, oh my God, you're still stuck in the past, you know? And it's just, you know, th- these sayings, they match up kind of this, the, the, the body and the bodily experience. Normally we tend to have a a practice, but in reality, we've just gone through a beautiful three-part practice. And Mm -hmm. so perhaps as we finish up today, what I would just encourage everyone is to think about how you might integrate these practices as an additional way. We're not saying 
uh, and hopefully you haven't heard this at all in the episode. We're not saying that the intellect is bad and the body is good or vice versa. We're talking about this holistic approach. So whenever you are dealing with an issue, you're going to think about the issue. But what we're inviting you to do is, are there ways of bringing the body into that process of how you consider an issue that's rising up and maybe some more information or insights or openings that that will provide you. So say, for example, if you have a meeting or a presentation, you feel nervous about it, about your contribution. So you're going to prep and prep and reprep. Maybe take a little bit of time just to use that first, you know, exercise around your length and around your confidence and your dignity. Or perhaps you're in a situation where you feel maybe you're cutting your off, you're cutting yourself off from another person. Maybe it's something you're confused about, you know, where you should be, as well as thinking about the dynamics of the relationship. Maybe take some time and go into that exercise about our width. And just what does that feel like in the body when you think about that relationship? Do you feel you've created a boundary or not? And then maybe you're in the midst of a decision where you're worried about its impact. It's going to maybe um, impact other people and you have a history of a decision doing that and you're thinking about that past decision. As well as thinking out this new decision, take a little time and maybe think about the dimension of depth and just where's your body in that? Are you focused in that past mistake? Are you rushing to make a decision before it's time? And can you not just be present perhaps it, with that decision where you need to be now. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, Irvin. You know, this notion of full body leadership, again, like you said at the beginning, people might think it sounds woo woo. But as I listen to you, I think, boy, it's one of the smartest things that we can do, yeah. which is to integrate all of our wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what does that mean? That means our intellect, it means our emotions, it means our instincts and our gut. Because as we integrate all of that, not only does that make us more effective in our decisions and so forth, but it creates credibility and trust. Yeah, Because we all know, we've all been around leaders who are saying one thing, but the body is saying something else. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what you about, Bridget, but I, I would say, you know, we use different language for it. But there are times when we come into the presence of a leader who has it all together and we just feel different. They feel different. We feel different. And I suppose the language we could use is that person is centered. And I think yeah. when we when we walk into a meeting, when we when we walk into the presence of someone that truly is centered, that mm-hmm. is felt. It's not just something that's going on in their body. It extends beyond that. And it is felt by anyone that meets them. You know, I want to share one final thought that I just got triggered when you said that. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a client who has never met me in person. She has seen me on Zoom, mm-hmm. but she's never met me in person. We, we're going to have an in-person meeting shortly. And she said, you know, the only, I don't even know what you look like. The only thing I know is you're tall. Now, Irvin, you get a kick out of that because, folks, I'm 5'2". <laughs> and so I was like, uh, no, I'm not tall. I'm very petite and I'm short. She goes, you're kidding me. I just pictured you as really tall, like not abnormally tall, but I thought, you know, yeah. five eight, five nine. And I thought to myself, there's something about the way that I show up in our conversations where I must be embodying my length. I must be telegraphing a tall spine. Yeah. And see, this is what we do all day long is we read each other's bodies and we get influenced by the shape of our own bodies. Yeah. 
we want to do that in such a way that we get it, we bring it all together. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Arvin, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. It's always a powerful reminder to me because I am mm. a intellectual type that lives sometimes in my head and uh, always a work in progress on integrating my whole body into my decisions and into the way that I show up. So thank you, Urban. My pleasure. Thanks for the conversation. Very powerful. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye now.